From awaytogarden.com and robinhoodradio.com, this is A Way to Garden with Margaret Roach, your weekly invitation to dig in and grow. I've confessed before on my website to a total fascination with fungus, as in mushrooms, and I'm one of those gardeners who's thrilled when a fairy ring of amanita circles my con-color fir tree each fall, or at the giant stand of big, glistening, neon-orange jack-o'-lantern mushrooms when it erupts in the same spot each summer. I don't even mind when lots of little unknown mushrooms sprout in a wet season on my mulch or on wood chips, something many not-so-enchanted readers write in to ask me how to fix in their own gardens. But I know it's just nature doing its thing, working to break down waste products and keep the cycles going. So as much as I love observing all of those, or the explosion of shaggy mane mushrooms down the road a piece, or the little red-capped russula ameticas in the nearby woods, it's perhaps surprising that I've never actually grown any mushrooms intentionally. Edible ones, I mean, unlike all of the above. So today we're going to learn how easy it is to cultivate edible mushrooms outdoors thanks to a visit to the show by Michael Judd, author of the book Edible Landscaping with a Permaculture Twist, who joins us from his homestead in Frederick, Maryland. Welcome, Michael, and thanks for taking the time to talk today and give us a course in Mushroom 101. How are you? I'm good. Thank you, Margaret. It's uh pleasure to be on a show that I enjoy so much. Oh, thank you. And I love the um, I love the book. I love the book. I have, um, of course, there's this crazy picture in the book that, it, you know, the first time I ever saw a picture of you, it was this picture of you holding a log um, with mushrooms growing off it. And you have an expression on your face like your mouth is open about a mile and like, oh, my goodness, what happened? <laughs> that's, that's a warning. That's what growing mushrooms can do to you. <laughs> It'll turn you crazy, huh? It'll make you excited. <laughs> so congratulations on the book Edible Landscaping. I know it struck a chord with readers because it's already in a third printing, you told me. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it was a really, really good um, experience to create the book. And uh, it's been a big reward that people are using it so much. And you self-published it, right? So that was very daring. <laughs> very. Uh, and, a, and a wonderful learning experience. I, I really wanted to maintain sort of creativity, you know, the creative control of the book. And, um, you know, I added in some botany and booze. I wanted to make sure no one cut out <laughs> my, uh, <laughs> my alcohol recipes. Right. Um, but no, it was it was a lot of fun to do alone and, and to create community around um, publishing the book, you know, through doing a Kickstarter campaign and raising funds to do it on my own. I got a lot of people behind me, and, and that's good, you know, as a writer. You know, you need to have yes. you know, someone pushing you to, to make sure it happens. It so. can be kind of solitary, and it feels like an uphill battle, like a Sisyphus pushing the rock, you know. But with the community, as you say, from this Kickstarter campaign that you did that was successful for the book, um, that gives you kind of energy. A lot. I didn't feel like I was alone or doing this alone. Yeah. I really do credit, you know, the many people that supported it with its success. So the subhead of the book edible landscaping is with a permaculture twist. So what in the heck is a permaculture twist? <laughs> permaculture is a holistic design, uh, landscape design technique that was born um, in the late 70s. Um, mm -hmm. A um, Tasmanian woodsman come professor uh, and one of his students, uh, Bill Mollison and, and David Holgram, 
generated the design of what permaculture is. And it is very much like ecological design in that it observes natural ecological patterns and then imitates those in ways to create human-centered habitats. Huh. Yeah, so it really combines um, form, function, and production uh, and also includes uh, all the elements of you know, alternative energy, sustainable forestry, of course, your, your market gardening, uh, and all the social dynamics. So it doesn't isolate uh, any one type of design element. It puts them all together like a, like a natural, healthy ecology does mm-hmm. so that it, then it supports itself. Uh, and that's, that's kind of the nutshell what permaculture is. Now, what I've done, my twist on it, is to simplify some of that and make it very approachable for sort of the backyard gardener, someone who's not heard of permaculture uh, but would really like to try some of the projects, some mm-hmm. of the things that have these multiple benefits you know, that are productive. Uh, and then m- more into that twist, I add the aesthetics, uh, the consideration right. for the modern landscape, you know, the, the suburbia that most of us are living in, and you know, the HOAs and the requirements. So how do we have this form, function, and beauty is what I've sort of put into the, the book mm-hmm. um, in a way that's, that's not complicated, that looks like fun, like here's a project, you know, let's start with this project and let's try another one. And over time, those all begin to blend together into a dynamic. But you don't have to start, you know, sitting there scratching your head trying to, you know, think of all of those to start with. Uh, you have something fun to begin with. Mm-hmm. So... In some of the areas of your landscape, of your permaculture, your, your twisty <laughs> permaculture <laughs> landscape there in Maryland, um, some of the shady areas kind of have the ultimate shade garden subject growing, which are the mushrooms. Yes. And, and for people who say they don't have a lot of sun in their garden, this is the best crop ever, huh? It's wonderful. You know, here all along the mid-Atlantic, uh, we, we, we're very fortunate to have such beautiful forests and lots of shade and a lot of clients come to me and say, uh, I can't grow anything. All I have is shade. And, and I get this big grin on my face. And, right. <laughs> and I say, no, it's perfect. You could grow mushrooms. Yeah. And, so, and, and, yeah. Sorry. And indeed, <laughs> uh, you know, they probably already are growing uh, out there in the landscape. Well, as I said in the introduction, you know, I'm kind of like, oh, look, there's some mushrooms growing over there. Oh, look. You know, I love it. And everyone uh, writes to me and is like, how do I get rid of these mushrooms? In my, and I'm like, no, no it's okay. It's wonderful. It's a sign of health. You know, it's good. <laughs> um, so I get excited. Now, the mushrooms are going to be the subject of your next book, right? I mean, you're, you're, you're even going to do another book on, in a Kickstarter campaign, and you're going to uh, do it specifically about growing um, fungi. Yes. Yeah. I got a real overwhelming response um, from the mushroom, how to grow mushroom chapter in my book on edible landscaping. And now I'm creating a guide to backyard mushroom growing. That's the name of the book I'm working on. So and it's the first book spawned, ha, 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 spawned a mushroom <laughs> book, huh? Is that the idea? <laughs> Absolutely. And I just love mushrooms. I love talking about them. I love thinking about them. I love the whole world and uh-huh. universe. It's surprising how many people are really wild about mushrooms out there. Uh, we do a whole series of workshops, hands-on workshops here in our homestead, and the mushroom workshops are always um, sold out. There's always a waiting list. It's just phenomenal, the response that people have for mushrooms. 
Uh, and I understand. I'm 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 fanatic about You're them there. as well. <laughs> You're and they, there. And they really are beautiful when yeah. they're when they're in their full fruiting state. They are a gorgeous ornamental element. I mean, uh, I, I think it's one of the most beautiful fruits out there. So I've always, of course, seen you know in terms of growing my own mushrooms, I've seen these like kits that are like cardboard box sort of things, and you moisten them, I guess, and they grow, and then you get two pounds of mushrooms or whatever it guarantees or, or promises, and then you sort of throw the whole thing away. And I've always thought, well, that's not very interesting, and that's that's not what I want to do. So you're suggesting something quite different from that. You're suggesting outdoor growing of mushrooms, yes? Yes. Uh, what you're talking about are usually called tabletop farms, mm-hmm. and they're a sawdust block, and you can order them uh, from a lot of different uh, mushroom uh, purveyors. And the idea is that they've already, you know, grown the mycelium. They've grown the fungi in it. So when you arrive, you put it on your tabletop and you open it. And with the right humidity, it really pops out a bunch of of mushrooms. Mm -hmm. So it's quite exciting, but it it doesn't necessarily make economic sense in the long run uh, to Mm -hmm. grow them. But if if it's the dead of winter and and you need a little happiness, um, you know, it's it's not a bad thing to go to. Uh, But what I'm talking about is growing them in the landscape. Uh, both on logs right. and on wood chips, and in a way that is perennial, meaning that once you do a little bit of input, once you get them started, they're going to fruit for you naturally you know, up to eight years without really, really any input but watching and harvesting them. So. so the spores kind of, in the same way that some of our garden plants kind of self-sow and perpetuate, these the mushrooms do as well, yes? Absolutely, especially oh, cool. the ones grown on wood chips. Um, and then the ones grown on logs, the idea is that it's going to take that amount of time, multiple years for the mycelium, the mushroom body, to run through that log and consume it, because that's what they do. They eat the woody material. Right. And then when they're nice and happy and the humidity's right, they fruit, and that's the mushrooms we know. So as long as that wood has still got some good meat to it, those mushrooms are going to keep producing for you. So do different species of mushrooms like logs versus wood chips, and which should we begin with and so forth? Yes. Uh, I mean, the ones we're, we're most familiar with, the shiitake. Uh-huh. Uh, one of the tastiest mushrooms out there, and medicinal to boot, uh, grows really well on logs. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and quite a few. And you'd be surprised how many different types of wood, uh, types of wood will grow different types of mushrooms. Well, that's what I've noticed, of course, in my, you know, accidental mushroom growing is that if I have a, um, wood chips from a particular kind of tree, it sprouts a different type of mushroom that when it's decomposing than an, another species. I mean, it's really distinctive. There's a, I don't know if that's called a host-specific relationship, but something like that. Yes. Yeah. And, and so they do like particular types of trees, but you'd be surprised that most of the trees in our landscape will grow some type of edible mushroom. Right. Oh, cool. That's great. Yeah, there's only a handful of exceptions like black locust and black <laughs> walnut. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, shiitake loves oak. Oh. We have lots of that along the eastern coast here, seaboard. And, of course, they'll also go with some of the harder maples. I'm growing them on the the wild black cherries that we have. Oh, I have those too. Uh Uh-huh. Lots around here, willows, black willows. I mean, there's there's really a wide spectrum. Birches and beech trees can be used. And poplar. We have a whole forest here of poplar trees, tulip poplars, which really, really do well with the oyster mushrooms. 
So it's really kind of looking at what's around you, what's available, and, you know, looking up, hey, this mushroom grows well with uh, this type of tree that I have. And, and you're pretty much lined up for success. So oysters and shiitakes are two that we can start with on certain kinds of logs. And what grows in the wood chips? Wood chips, uh, one of my favorite mushrooms as well, it's called the wine cap. Oh. It has this beautiful burgundy top to it. And a very, it can be very large. It can get up to five pounds. They can be gigantic. You are kidding me. They're, they're, they're fabulous. Uh, oftentimes, uh, you want to get them when they're smaller. Mm-hmm. And they have this meaty, nutty flavor. And they are very opportunistic in the sense that their mycelium runs very quickly and colonizes wood chips very strongly. It outcompetes other things in, you know, in the landscape. And it just pops hundreds of mushrooms at a time. And it'll do that through the summer and into the fall. And as long as you keep feeding it wood chips, it'll keep propagating itself. And you can take them and spread them around your landscape. And indeed, now on our landscape, uh, I don't spread them anymore. They're spreading themselves to where I'm <laughs> finding them all over the place. Wherever I, wherever I have organic matter in my gardens, in the pathways, even unexpected places, I'm finding uh, wine caps popping up. Do they like a particular kind of wood chip? Um, generally speaking, they would prefer hardwood chips. Uh-huh. They would do with softwood, but they would, you know, run through them pretty quickly. Okay. Uh, you know, I'd avoid too much pine, you know, cedar, things like that, but they're surprisingly vigorous. Interesting. So let's kind of try to go through the basic, help us imagine how this works on the logs or on that. What do I need? How do I do it? Okay. Um, ideal time to begin is in late winter. Uh-huh. So in our part of the world here in Maryland, we're in zone seven. Toward the end of February, we look for healthy trees in mm-hmm. our forest that are small diameter, about six to eight inches in diameter. Mm-hmm. And at the same time that we're looking for these trees, we're looking at the forest as a whole. And right. we're saying, okay, look, this forest has been cut many times and it's regenerating in this cluster. Uh, how can we thin out this wood, benefit the forest, and begin the process of growing mushrooms. So, so from the yeah. very first step, you are having this ecological benefit by working with mushrooms. So you're making, you're choosing trees that may go, that you'll use the wood, but you're right. allowing other trees to then develop fully because you're giving them the room by, by yes. thinning a little bit, judiciously yes. and smartly. Yes, mm-hmm. and, and that also allows more light into the canopy and right. helps regenerate the forest floor. Right all of those species. Okay. So there's this win-win-win with mushrooms from the okay. very beginning. So I'm going out in ours, you know, I'm looking for the cherry and for the poplar and, uh, and the oaks and the hard maples. And I'm thinning that wood out, and then I'm going to let it sit. Trees naturally have an antifungal property mm-hmm. as they're alive. They're fighting off fungi. So you want to let that dissipate. So let the logs sit for two, three weeks while the days are warming up. Mm-hmm. And this is going into March for us toward the end of March. We're getting into 50-degree days. That's perfect. Then what I do is I call up one of my favorite uh, mushroom suppliers, mm-hmm. like Field and Forest Products mm-hmm. uh, or Smugtown Mushrooms. I love that, those names, Field yeah. and Forest or Smugtown. <laughs> they, they say it all. Um, and, and they are fabulous people uh-huh. and, 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 and resources for uh-huh you know, starting and growing your own mushrooms. So what I'll do is I'll call them up probably about the time that I've dropped my trees, and I will order spawn, which is usually little wooden birch dowels. They have little ridges on them. 
Right. And what they've done is they've grown the certain type of mycelium, the certain type of fungi, the certain type of mushroom on it already for you. And when I say that, let's say we're talking about shiitake. Uh, imagine it's like tomatoes where there's, there's many, many varieties mm-hmm. and have all these different characteristics. Same with shiitakes. There's all these different flavors and types of shiitakes hmm. that will also fruit at different temperatures. Oh. So early, mid, late season. So oh. there's this wonderful world uh, even within choosing your shiitake. So I'll choose a strain of shiitake on these dowels and they'll mail them to me. And I'll get them just in time. And then when I'll take my log, and I will get my drill bit. I'll get a drill, electric drill with a drill bit. Now, guy stuff always involves power tools, sexist that I am, right? There's always power tools involved with projects. It, it, it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. I'm it, teasing you. It, it, in my book, you know, I, have, I show that you must have really good beer for each stage of right. mushroom cultivation as well. Right. But I say wait until you're done with the power tool. So you drill holes in these logs? So you, so you drill holes, like, all over the log. Uh-huh. You know, maybe about 50 holes in the log. Then you take your little wooden birch dowels and you whack them in, kind of like the, the oh, game okay. Whack-A-Mole. So you have these impregnated dowels that have yep. the mycelium on them, and then you're going to sort of impregnate the log in a more forceful manner with these dowels. Exactly. Cool. Exactly. And again, the mycelium is feeding and living off the wood, the lignin, the cellulose. So those little birch dowels are like kindling. You know, it would right. soon consume that, so we're putting it into the larger log. Right. And then we're going to wax over those holes just to maintain moisture and okay. keep, you know, insects from eating the, the spawn out. Uh-huh. And then the mycelium is going to jump off of the spawn and begin to run through the log. Huh. And we call this period the spawn run. And it is one of the more sensitive times in the log's life in the sense that you want to keep it evenly moist, uh, you want to keep it low to the ground and in the shade, Mm -hmm. and this can be any number of places on your landscape. If you don't have a patch of trees that you could do this on, I've found under a deck works really nicely. Right. Um, If you have just an open patio, you could, you know, wedge it between a couple straw bales, put a little um, shade cloth over it. Uh, Really, there's many creative ways to do this. And the spawn run can last anywhere from 6 to 18 months. Wow. So you have to be patient. But once you've drilled and sealed and placed your log, you are done. You know, what you have to do then is wait and make sure it maintains its moisture. If it gets really dry, you can squirt it like you would your garden to mm-hmm. keep that humidity up. Then after 6 to 18 months, uh, fruiting will begin to occur naturally uh, as it's triggered by warmth and humidity. Mm-hmm. So. Generally speaking, it's like what we see in our landscapes uh, in, the, in, the, in the late spring after a warm rain. We'll see mushrooms popping up. Same with our logs. That'll trigger them. Mm-hmm. And again, in the fall, after a warm rain, uh, the mushrooms will pop again. Uh, so it's a very easy cycle, and when they pop, it is a lot of mushrooms, one that log. sounds like, oh, my goodness. A lot. You are inundated, and you get that excited look that I have in the picture in my book. <laughs> and, and, and you get a lot of mushrooms. So, so, so if you've chosen an oak log that's six or eight inches thick by, we're talking, sorry, I didn't say, they're about 30 inches long, uh-huh. 30, 40 inches long. So like long. a piece of firewood, but a little narrower. A little, a little mm-hmm. narrow, well, a little longer at mm-hmm. least. And, you know, once, that, once that's established itself, it can fruit for you for up to eight years. Wow. So you're getting all these mushrooms for this little bit of input at the beginning. So there's this investment at the beginning. Um, yeah. So we have maybe four or five minutes left, and I just want to um, 
Is this process similar and is the duration, the wait time the same when you impregnate the wood chips and how do you use the dowels with the wine caps or how does that work? The wood chips are a lot quicker and uh-huh. easier. You know, getting wood chips dropped is pretty easy. Uh-huh. And you can do that really almost through September. And oh. again, you would order, use it comes in sawdust and you would sprinkle oh, sawdust okay. on the wood chips. You create a patch four inches deep, right. oh. you know, five by five foot under wow. a deciduous tree. Sprinkle that in, cover it with straw, and it runs very fast and will begin fruiting the following year. Sometimes oh, so this is our fall project to get our mushroom world going. It's huh? a great time. And I will throw in there real quick that you can also do this process with the logs in the fall. Once the leaves have turned and, oh. and, the, and the trees are going dormant, you can take your logs again. But the trick is then you'd have to keep them inside in your, a heated garage or a closet in a, you know, wrap them up in a plastic bag. Okay, because they don't want it while, while you're, the spawn is running, you couldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't want to put them in the deep freeze. No. Okay. And the, and the bag also helps preserve that moisture form okay. while they're inside. And, okay. And, and I, the chapter I've got in the Edible Landscaping book really covers this how-to uh, step-by-step um, for both fall and, you know, spring Cultivation. And we're going to show some pictures on awaytogarden.com when we do this, the, the transcript to go along with this segment. We'll do that. We'll show some of the how-to pictures and diagrams, which are so great from the book. Um, so if I have too many to eat all at once, you said that the harvest could be really big even from a log. Do you put them up? Do you? What do you do? <laughs> I make uh, uh, mushroom martinis. Oh, you nut. <laughs> <laughs> There's a great recipe in the book for maple martini, uh, maple mushroom martinis. Okay. And they are delicious. Uh, healthy alcohol. You, you can't beat it. Uh, but if that's not your thing, slicing them in about an eighth inch thickness, uh-huh. uh, quickly sauteing them in oil or butter, maybe a little salt and pepper, you know, just for a couple of minutes, and then you can freeze them that way, and they are ready to grab and throw into dishes um, you know, throughout the rest of the year and the season. So very easy. Uh, and, and like I said, you'll get a lot of mushrooms. You'll have a lot of friends when you get your mushrooms. So that's where they usually end up going. So besides having culinary or edible benefits, they have, fungi have profound environmental benefits. So can any of these grow-your-own types be also used, because you said permaculture twist at the beginning, are they also used in a positive way in your permaculture landscape, you know? Yes. Are, they, are they doing a job, and what's that? A very important job. They act as filters. That mycelium, it creates a web uh, that acts as a filter for chemical runoff from our roofs, from our driveways, from our cars. So what I do is I position burlap sacks full of the wine cap in these areas where runoff from even your roof, your spout, is coming down. Oh, to filter it. And it filters. And not only does it filter, but the mycelium uh, actually digests the chemicals even the oils from your, from your car, into sugars, and it converts them and cleans them. So that water that moves past that spot is then cleaned. And it's a very simple technique, but it makes a huge difference uh, in our watersheds. And it's a small thing that we can do at home mm. working with mycelium. So tell us where we can find you, Michael Judd, author of Edible Landscaping with a Permaculture Twist and the Mushroom Man. <laughs> where can we find you URL-wise on, online? Well, we have a really fun Facebook page under the title of the book. Okay. A lot, a lot going on, a lot of new images, things we're working on now. Okay. A lot of fun things. And also our website, uh, I have an edible and ecological Okay. Uh, landscape business, and it's Ecologia. E-C-O-L-O-G-I-A? Yeah, 
ecologiadesign.com. Okay, good. And on Instagram at Permaculture Ninja. Okay, Permaculture Ninja. It's been so good to speak to you and learn about how to grow mushrooms. I'm definitely ordering these things. I'll have all the source information and links to you and your Facebook and Instagram on the blog. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And we're going to do a book giveaway of Edible Landscaping and some other mushroom goodies. And I'll talk to you soon again, Michael. And I'll talk to all the rest of you again next week. Thanks for joining us. Don't miss an episode. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Stitcher or iTunes. You can find me at facebook.com slash Away to Garden, and happy gardening till next week. Away to Garden with Margaret Roach is a joint production of awaytogarden.com and the smallest NPR station in the nation, Robin Hood Radio. Mm-hmm.